For June 13th, 2022, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 728, Rural Route to the Danger Zone. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet, never happier than when we are hanging out and talking about the things that interest us, the movies, the TV shows, and, and the, the, the books, the, the theater, what, you know, whatever. We, we enjoy these things more when we talk them over together. And today, finally, at long last, we're going to do what people have been asking for. In a way, we will discuss a multiverse of madness. Are really? you are, yeah get get excited people because the universe <laughs> that you're in is not the only one or shall I say is not the only view of the universe that's possible and your reality I I don't mean to be sophomoric about this I don't mean to like start some discourse on the level of what if you see red and I see green but we've both learned to call it brown man that's not what I'm uh that's not what I'm trying to to get into here but you know to a certain extent you have to admit that you're not even sure that the space you occupy, you experience in the same way that the space, uh, that, that the same space is experienced by someone very, very close to you or someone far away from you. What is close? What is far away? Let's start with Benedict Cumberbatch. No, let's not start with Benedict <laughs> Cumberbatch. Let's start with me, Matt Rather, and my very good friends, Mr. Peter Fenzel. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. And Mr. Mark Lee. Hello, Mark. Oh, we're talking about Jurassic World Dominion this week. That's right. Yeah, that's the it. Dominion, in that's a way, it. is like a universe unto itself. Yeah, one with dinosaurs. We're we're talking about Benacris Cumberpratt, <laughs> the, 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 the star of uh, D- D- Jurassic Dominion World, uh, multiverse of of dinosaur teeth. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the spatial organization of the world. Uh, the spatial and how that, how that reflects in, in your mind. There, there's the non trolley way of, uh, of the non gaslighty way of talking about our topic. So I want to start, uh, with a question. And it's a question for you, Pete. Last week, when you saw, or I guess you saw it before last week, but for last week's podcast, when you saw the film Top Gun Maverick, did you take a highway to the danger zone? <laughs> or a service road and, and, or side street an interstate a uh a u.s highway <laughs> oh man i love it I a rural love it. route to the danger yep. zone it didn't have the picture of the man in the mountain on it though uh which is a very sad sort of highway sign if you're familiar with new hampshire geography and geographical features and natural wonders and such uh, you guys know about that, right? The man in the mountain, is that why it's the granite state or is it the granite state? Well, it's the granite state because it has a lot of granite and ah. the man in the mountain is sort of a, they, they have a common cause. It's sort of one of those drownings and ice cream things where, you know, drownings don't cause ice cream and ice cream don't cause drownings. They happen in summer, right? Like you know, being called the granite state and having a giant face made of granite be your state, uh, symbol. They don't cause each other. But they're both caused by something, which is having a lot of granite. But yes, this was a famous granite edifice, natural granite edifice that collapsed a number of years ago, but is still present in a lot of iconography, including the state quarter and state road signs and stuff. That state state quarter primarily famous for being the show art to our uh, recap of Breaking Bad, the final season of Breaking Bad, which had an episode called The Granite State. I am I am so proud, by the way, as long as as long as we're trolling the audience by not telling them what the episode is about. uh, I am am so proud, by the way, of the images I made for each of the final episodes of Breaking Bad. They are like they are works of art, man. They are they are quick and dirty works of art. They are dirty works of quick art. They're, yeah, um, but the the profound the profundity is in is in the conception, you know the yeah the... yeah exactly exactly. They're, they are a little bit punk rock and a little bit uh, uh, Wallace something Stevens. Awful. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, yes, yes. Uh, so normally, I'm actually trying to remember exactly the case, but this was the thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about, which was that 
I got to take a different highway to a different danger zone than I had previously done because Top Gun Maverick marked the reopening of the movie theater at the furniture place that is the closest first-run movie theater to my house. Now, I moved to this house in February, right, uh, of 2020. And things happened in March of 2020, which included not seeing Birds of Prey (laughs) and a bunch of other movies forever because the movie theaters all closed or like Black Widow getting pushed back and all that stuff. The last movies I saw before my world changed uh, well, last one was Bad Boys for Life. And then and then I didn't go to a movie theater for a long time. And then when I started going back, I only would go to the ones that were open, which were not necessarily the ones that were close to my house. So for a long time, this has been a big thing for me. When we moved, part of why the Overthinking It podcast exists is because when I lived in New York City with Mapalinky, you know, uh, we lived – a short walk away from the Times Square movie theaters, and we would go to the Lowe's and the AMC in Times Square, and then we'd go to the Westway Diner, and we would talk about the movie that we just saw. And that's why we always talk about Chronicles of Riddick and Van Helsing and the movies of that era, because it was really a powerful bonding experience for us. And I think each of you have been part of that at some point. And, and the point was that there was a closest movie theater, and it felt really cool that it was this giganto special movie theater. And pretty much everywhere I lived since has had a movie theater within a short walking distance. Like for me, a short walking distance is a 15 minute walk, like a half mile walk. Mm. Like, like, you know, that's, it's had like, I I lived in one apartment where it was more like a 25 minute walk, but that apartment also just had bad transit access in general. Um, But like, I never had had to drive to a movie theater pretty much in my life prior to 2020. Like where I grew up, you could walk the half hour into town and go to the movies if you wanted to. Nobody did because it was New Jersey. And nobody walked. I did. I got I, I would say I got made fun of, but more it was endearing. People actually thought it was kind of kind of endearing and cute that I walked everywhere. Would, would you um, say that you were born to walk? <laughs> yes, yes. You have to be born to walk before you can be born to run, man. It's, uh, <laughs> first, you have to be born to crawl. Which uh, I think is an Alice in Chains album. I'm not sure. What is born on? What is born on four legs in the morning? Born yeah. on two legs at noon. Uh, whatever it is, it's in the multiverse of madness. Uh, Pete, I, but, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I don't mean to hijack your point, but no, no, also no. like having a movie theater close by in my ten years in Culver City was a huge enabling factor of the podcast uh, for mm-hmm. me as well. To yeah. have the arc light, yeah. And I would also add that uh, for a long stretch of uh, the over- doing the overthinking of podcasts, I lived literally above a huge AMC movie theater. Oh, the, the one in Lincoln New York. Center? The Lincoln Center one? Yeah, yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. That one's great. That was, I, saw, yeah. I saw. I was going uh, to the movies like literally practically every week at that point in my life. It was great. I saw, uh, uh, what's it one? The one about um, the Cellist Sisters. I saw that movie there. What was that called? Cellist Sisters? Wait, with, yeah. Emma, with Emily Watson? Yes, 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 yes. But the cellist and a flautist. Jacqueline Dupre yes. was her name, yes, right? Yes, Jacqueline I, Dupre. I Jacqueline forget the Dupre name. Movie. I forget the name of the. I think it was called Happy Gilmore. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're thinking of Billy Madison. <laughs> Billy Madison. Billy Madison <laughs> was the boy that they were both in love with, and that was the so, the so source all... of their cello rivalry. So I... this puts. <laughs> I want to yes, just yes. want to pour one out for the ArcLight Culver City for the for the ArcLight generally. You expanded too fast, ArcLight. Capital was too cheap, and you thought that you could yeah. put all the other movie theaters out of business and then jack up your prices. And that's not how it works because someday the music stops and the lucky few find a chair, and the rest of you, even if you have fancy recliners, even if you have bar stools in the <laughs> lobby you know uh the rest of you have nowhere to sit arc light nowhere to sit and it's a huge blow to a lot of neighborhoods in uh in los angeles so go to hell yeah i miss you (laughs) i would say that looking back for now over the years where streaming services were gaining traction and now they just have traction it's just a every fact of life that movies come out on streaming services now and you can see them there and sometimes they're better and sometimes they're worse than the ones that come out in movie theaters and sometimes they're reminiscence with Hugh Jackman and it comes on in both and is seen on either it doesn't matter the point is that <laughs> for all the years that we were kind of chafing at the end of the movie theater which of course seemed like this looming inevitability and yet somehow 
somehow there are still movie theaters now, which is sort of like, hey, you know, Netflix is a real threat to movie theaters. What if a giant bomb fell on all of them at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so, uh, but, but all those years, we weren't necessarily sharing a universal experience with all of our listeners because we were these were local places that we frequented. And we probably even consciously or subconsciously chose our homes because they were close to movie theaters the way someone might choose a good coffee shop. Or someone might choose it being near their daycare, right? Or like any number of other things that might be important to you. They near a school, right? Or I'd say I'd elsewhere. say it correlates and probably is not caused by, right? Like the sorts yeah. of things you you would right. choose a home for are like good walkability or whatever are conducive to there being good coffee shops and movie theaters and whatever. Well, no, no, no. I meant what I said. I, I mean that maybe you were, you know, we were seeing an apartment and we were like, oh, look, there's a movie theater, and that might have influenced our decision more than we thought that it did. Got because- it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but the other one's yes. probably true. Yeah, again, living a, literally above an AMC movie theater, <laughs> <laughs> and so like, so these were things that were part of our mental map. Is what is what I'm sort of getting at, which is like the the small. The sort of Dunbar number of inanimate places, right? Um, you guys, I'm a big fan of the Dunbar number. Are you guys fans of the Dunbar number? I, I'm not you know, I, this. I am, Pete, but it's it's something that gets quoted kind of in in vulgar fashion in a lot of opining about social media. And uh, oh. I, I, to me, it's been Malcolm Gladwell beyond all usefulness. Oh, fair enough. I just like oh, is this the thing where like you can only know it really know 150 people. Yeah, exactly. Time. Okay, okay. And if you have an organization where you're like directly interfacing against more than 150 people, then it's just not going to function, right? Like if you have to go ask 200 people their opinion of something, it's just never going to happen. Um, and so you need methods for subdividing people. And I, I feel like it would make sense that places, because this is something that's a, it's a function. It's mostly understood as an, as a sort of, um, What's the word that I'd be looking for? A simian phenomenon, right? It's something they study in different sorts of primates, which is always a little bit sketchy when it gets transferred over to people, uh, because, of course, people are not chimpanzees, uh, despite our behavior sometimes during the NBA finals. Uh, <laughs> sorry, just as a Boston guy, it's been really funny. We're doing we're, we're, we are just uh, we're just tangenting left and right. There's been a scandal this this past week because uh, fans and the Boston Garden were cursing uh, at the opposing team, which was apparently what? a pearl clutching moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boston sports fans. But <laughs> yeah. I think I think we're, I said we're behaving poorly. There's so like a high there's, stakes uh, contest. There's yeah, such a, a, a reserved but a, a reserved Ow. bunch. I was in uh, I was in um, Boston for, I think, game one. And I was in Boston for like 20 hours for, for a work reason. And, um, I, uh, watched game one in a, uh, I watched game one in a sports bar and, uh, the Celtics lost, I think, or the game that I, I saw they lost. And, uh, I texted Ryan Sheely that this happened and he was like, ugh, walk home early, avoid the sad rioting. <laughs> and I don't want to insult him too too much, but it is funny. I think it's a it was mostly a joke in the sense of like, why are you at all surprised that these are like people who get upset and and aren't going to behave the way that you would prefer they behave in this environment? But yes, sad rioting is something you don't want to be in the midst of. Uh, but but yeah, like uh, you know, primatology notwithstanding, just the notion of you wanting to prioritize certain kinds of information and not simultaneously accessing all the information in your head at once. Your short list of places that you have in what, you know, it's obviously not your RAM either, but something analogous to that. And we've been talking about it and thinking about discussing it as a mental map. I'm sure there are people who study this, you know, cognitively and neurologically who have technical terms for it. But we're going to speak of it culturally and anecdotally and, and uh, thinking about how it affects our experiences and how we how we uh, how we share these experiences with others. And one of the big ones is movies. You know, I used to have to drive either down into Woburn, which is just outside the inner ring of Boston, kind of sub like crunchy peanut butter cities and kind of like inner ring, not really suburbs. Um most notable for being the place where I spotted the WWE tour bus during COVID. So they were staying out in Woburn uh, to avoid, I think, uh, probably to find a hotel that literally no one else was staying at that they could run their own COVID protocols on or something. Um, or I have to drive out to New Hampshire. Uh, and uh, and I did go to New Hampshire to see Venom 2, 
uh, Let There Be Carnage because it was the only place still playing it. And uh, I don't regret that for nigh an instant. Uh, it was a delightful trip. <laughs> and we're not that far from New Hampshire. And they have fun road signs. And uh, and that was a fun movie theater, too, up by the was it Rockingham Park Mall. Uh, just giving you little slices of life. I don't want you to stalk me or nothing. But uh, but these are some of the places and and these, especially with a little bit of traffic, you're on a highway, you're on an interstate going to these places. It's going to take a little while. You know, you may take a half an hour. You have to leave at least a half an hour of time. You know, I could probably get to Woburn faster if it's not rush hour. It's like Saturday at 11 o'clock. And I'm the only person going to see a movie then because I do this podcast. Um, And also because of the plague that's stopping everybody from going to the movies. Uh, Yeah. When I saw uh, Die, uh, not no, no time to die. Uh, it was, it was a go, it was, you know, the whole area was a ghost town other than the people who were there to see bond. Uh, but at any rate, the point I'm saying is that now there's a movie theater that I can, I can drive on the interstate to get there and it's pretty fast, but I could also just take local roads or like a state highway. Right. And, uh, and I could get there, you know, I could take a like medium road to the relatively safe zone past the Starbucks. Right. Like, uh, I could take the, the, uh, road that goes like the highway to the Dairy Queen rather than the highway to the danger zone as I'm, as I'm going to uh, the movie theater now. And it just changes my whole conception of like where I live. That's the, like the um, kids bop version of highway to the danger zone. It's like highway <laughs> to the, the Dairy, Dairy Queen. Queen. <laughs> yeah. Kids who were born 50 years ago, like 40 years. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys, when's the last time you went to a Dairy Queen? Oh, I don't know. It's been it's been a long it's been a long time. I get them confused yeah. sometimes with Foster's Freeze, which is a local chain with pretty much uh-huh. the same the same idea. But they do uh, they do a fine uh, soft serve in a cake cone dipped in in chocolate, and the mm-hmm. chocolate hardens on the ice. Is that also a Dairy Queen? Uh, yes, delicacy? yes, that's what they're known for. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. the oh man, that's the best. Oh. I think Dairy Queen is linked somewhat as if my memory serves me to the actual mechanical invention of the soft serve ice cream machine. Like there's some sort of direct thread uh, that connects them, um, which doesn't mean that they're better than others, just that they got a bit of a head start. But the Dairy Queen, so so I'm going to put this right out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, here's one criterion that relates to the mental map. I now have a movie theater 15 minutes from my house. Mm. I didn't have that prior to this. It's weird that it's in a furniture store. It's weird that it's gigantic 4K IMAX. It's weird that it only plays one movie at a time. Uh, Those are not the usual situations of having a movie theater by your house. But all that I find terribly endearing and was kind of a selling point when we were looking to move here. And then, of course, was taken away from me for two years. So uh, next one we're looking forward to there is Thor Love and Thunder. We're really psyched to go see Thor Love and Thunder there. It's going to be great. Mm. Uh, I I think we saw Thor Ragnarok there, possibly. But at any rate... The, the, uh, but the Dairy Queen that's on the way is also a major location in my sort of cluster of places that I go by regularly because it's notable in that I never go there. And because I felt like in New Jersey there were more of them, especially when I was growing up. And there was one not too far from my house that other people would go to, but I didn't go for whatever reason. And so like driving past the Dairy Queen and seeing how many people are there is something that happens to me pretty often. Now, I don't drive my car every day. I probably only drive my car maybe once or twice a week on average. Uh, so I don't go by the Dairy Queen all that often. But it, the Dairy Queen is not useful to me. It is not something – a place where I go to do anything. But it still looms larger in my mental map of my general area such that if I were to give someone directions to go somewhere, I might say like, is that near the Dairy Queen, right? Um, and it's sort of pegged for me on this spot near where a uh, local road becomes a state highway. It's one of those dealies where it like it sort of changes on you. Um, and, and it's and it's a place. Right. Uh, meanwhile, you know, for the first what eight months we lived here, we knew literally none of our neighbors. All of the houses around us were complete mysteries. We used to uh, make guesses at the kinds of cars that our neighbors would have. And then when we would drive by, we would try to get a picture to be able to confirm it. Uh, there was a there was a, an old Toyota uh I think it was an old uh, Solaris that really got me. Uh, that was really hard to guess. Which but, one of your like, neighbors had the surprise Dodge Charger? None of them. None of them had a lot of Jeeps. Uh, the, Dodge, the surprise Dodge Charger parks in the CVS parking lot. And we don't know who, who has that one. It's purple. <laughs> but no. Um, but the point being that, like, at some point, I think it was around around Christmas. Two of our neighbors left us Christmas cards, and suddenly their houses became known things. Right. We knew even vaguely who lived there and they became kind of pings on the mental map. Right? It's like wait, wait, you, you never met them, but like they knew that someone was there and they, uh, they added you to the list. 
Yeah, yeah. They basically just said, hey, we know you moved in. Welcome to the neighborhood. We had maybe seen them. They had maybe seen us. This is through the entire – we moved in February. This is in November. So the whole year goes by, and we don't really we don't really talk to anybody. Everybody is hiding because nobody wants to get the horrible virus that there's no treatment for or vaccines for or anything. Uh, and we all have kids, which we all know now, some of whom are the same age, very young. So um, that we all were do- going through the same experience right next to each other in total isolation from each other without even knowledge of each other. And so, like, there's all these different things that affect what goes on the mental map. Uh, and that's why I wanted to put it out there as like an idea to talk about for for this week. This uh, these these ideas of where things are, how what is your level, what is your narrativization of your own home with relation to the uh, the sort of picture in your mind that you have of the things that are around it, or the ease with which you travel from one place to another, the ways in which the important places for you change the meaning of distance. Um, you know, like you're 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 there's nothing farther away in the universe than your coffee table from your couch and nothing closer than your parents house no, from wherever you are. That's right? exactly right, Pete. Like, I think that like I, I loved your description of like the, the house is lighting up on the map, like yeah. a, like a video game map where you like suddenly you unlocked this territory. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, and that like oh, this, yeah, this is civilization, right? Yeah, really, really goes around yeah. and just peeling back the darkness. Yeah, right, exactly. And this is you can go right. You exactly you bought the neighbor's expansion pack, you know, <laughs> and that's like that's how you got a uh, that's how you got these spaces. I I mean I think that like I I think that you're exactly right that nothing is far when you're reaching for the remote nothing and, and don't want to like raise your body up off the couch nothing is farther than your coffee table and you know I I think to a certain extent like there is there is a a couple of weird distortions kind of like spatial distortions that happen in the mental map kind of akin to walking around in the in a video game where you have like you know hyper situational awareness of your your immediate vicinity you know moderate like pretty reasonable situational uh, awareness of the like the middle distance and highly compressed situational awareness of the far distance as though you were looking through a fisheye lens at the area closest to you through like a, a standard like a 50 millimeter lens at the area uh you know a, a, a block or two from you and then through a telephoto lens at the you know at the area farther farther away than that and the thing that it puts me in mind of is the the, the like the famous new yorker cover which was called a oh, mark you must know this one it's called like the view from ninth avenue or something like that that sounds right yeah Yeah, i'll put the i'll put the the um uh i'll put the put the link to the uh copy of the cover in the show notes and and it was like it's it's a view you know notionally out a high-rise window on ninth avenue and you you um see uh if memory serves oh uh there's a wikipedia link now you can see that can see the whole thing yes exactly you see uh ninth avenue in incredible incredible detail like taking up you know one quarter of the uh of the space on the cover from the bottom to about 25 percent up 10th avenue the next quarter the hudson river which is huge huge right uh a tiny sliver of new jersey and then the rest of the united states rendered as kind of a sliver you know with like oh i I don't know what like san francisco or like a rock or you know texas or something canada Mexico and the uh, the Pacific Ocean kind of in in the background and just how that's like how it's sort of foreshortened and distorted in in particular ways that like that lead to your you know that 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 lead to your kind of um, kind of weird relationships with uh, weird relationships spatially with things. The other thing I was thinking about, Pete, is I was thinking about this diachronically as you were as you were talking about it. That is to say, like it's not that this is um yeah i i traveled a little bit a couple weeks ago and i spent some time uh with our friend josh's uh, little kids and walked them to school there were school days and so we walked them to school and and to us it was a couple blocks but i was thinking that like to the kids this this vast expanse they were traversing was you know continents uh and that like um i i remember things being farther when I was smaller, you know, things are, are just incomprehensible distances when you're a kid and a 15 minute car ride is an, an eternity. And, uh, these things kind of, 
these things kind of compress. So like, I, I think that when you talk about the, the mental map, you're talking about like a highly unstable artifact, a really kind of situational, mm. a situational and like cha- it changes through time and it changes from your, your point of view artifact of, of, of where it is. I mean, I, you know, I can talk about, uh, about mine a lot, but those are the, I don't know, the, this is what it, it comes up for me when I, when I think about this and how, like, how prone to distortion, you know, and how prone to the, to the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the principle of kind of like it it really depends on the seer you know uh the the site depending on the seer this this particular phenomenon is i don't yeah. know is it like that for you mark yeah 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 so i'm going to start uh, i'm going to give a couple examples and the first is going to be relevant to all of us right our college days in new haven connecticut right you guys remember how small new haven's campus the yale campus is right the core of it at least sure where we spend yeah. our undergraduate things right and yet like going from one end of it to the other um, felt vast, like, and it was only ten minutes to be clear, <laughs> right? Going from like yeah. you know one undergraduate, uh, uh, concentrated you know residential college to the other one that is furthest away. I think ten minutes is the furthest you could walk, maybe fifteen. Um, and that like, and I think it was sure, a, if you were a, carrying a bass drum, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, okay. A lot of it that time was spent carrying heavy instruments, but I think there was a joke around campus, right, where um, that might constitute a long distance relationship. <laughs> Right. If, if people were dating from uh, from those different corners of campus. Yeah, um, because it was a function of density. Right. Um, and like, you know, there were uh, like a handful of, of, of central locuses for campus activity and everyone convened there. And and um, the norm was to not have to walk really more than five minutes to get to the thing. And then the 10 started to become far and 15 minutes became really far. And that was just like a, a pattern that repeated itself and reinforced itself over time and time and time again. So before I go to my, my, my New York City example, I just want to like just you know check Matt and Pete if you all shared that uh, similar mental math phenomenon when we were in college. Hundred percent. And I, I was just there for my reunion. That's why I was traveling That's a couple right, yes. a couple weeks ago for for the big two O. And I I was shocked at how small it is. You know what yeah. I mean compared with my just normal sense of the distances I walk now and just how 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 a what seemed like a a real hike like a hike I would never do from one you know one block to you know something three blocks away just is now like not you know I don't know it, it my perspective on it has changed yeah. which is you know kind of to my point earlier yeah so then uh, you know speaking of changing perspective um let's talk about my mental map of Central Park Right. I live, I think I've talked about this many times in this podcast. I live pretty close to Central Park. I've, I've for many years now lived within walking distance of Central Park. Know it. I thought that I knew it pretty well. Right. I would walk all around it. I would bike around it. Um, and then when I had kids, I realized that, oh, there is a huge part of my mental map has been missing this whole time, which is to say the many playgrounds of Central Park. Right. They were, they were literally invisible to me, they were not on my map at all and now all of a sudden have become like searing red hot spots <laughs> like very important places to know where you are uh, in relation to the playgrounds um the best stroller route to get to the playgrounds and now um now that i've got the oldest potty train the bathroom situation <laughs> at each of those playgrounds mm. um all of this is like detailed information in the map um which is extremely important to me now um which was nowhere to be found at all in what i previously thought was already a very detailed map of Central Park in my mind. Mm-hmm. Pete, like, has your, so, like, I would like to hear, like, you know, how your mental map has changed, like, particularly with regards to kids and, like, you know, getting Ethan from point A to point B. I mean, I'll, I'll take it in a different direction, also involving kids. I've been trying, so, I don't, you guys probably had this experience less than I did because you live more in cities. Uh, my activity level really collapsed when COVID started because I had newborn babies and I was in the suburbs and I wasn't going anywhere. And so I've been really trying to build my, you know, my sort of endurance and the ability to kind of run long distances and stuff, which was something I used to be very comfortable with back up from basically nothing. And my, my, you know, your stamina takes a hit because the kind of stamina that you need to like, deal with a toddler's emotional life and and sort of keep them from accidentally killing themselves is a different sort of stamina than it takes to sort of traverse a long distance in a short period of time. Um, And so like an example of this is like running around after a toddler at home is exhausting, right? Is what what I find, right? Um, One thing that sort of my son has taken an interest to, which I might've mentioned on the podcast, I might not have is races, 
we were at the park at one point. Not like the not like phrenology. I mean, like we were, <laughs> <laughs> we were at the park, like like foot races. And we were at the park at one point and there was a race for children, which we had sort of heard about, but we didn't sign him up for. And he wailed because he wanted to run in it and we wouldn't let him because we didn't sign up. So we signed him up for this race series and he's been running these races and he loves it. Uh, and I'm sure and I, I'm very self-conscious about coming off as like a dadzilla because I'm right there cheering for him so hard. And he won every race he was in by a huge margin because he understood the objective, which none of the other two year old boys did. And so none of them. <laughs> so like he, he was born to, to run. The rest he was born to run. He's at least born to know where the start and the finish of a thing are and to like traverse from one to the other. Whereas the other guys are like, I'm going this way. I'm falling in a hole. Like I'm checking out where that hole is. Like that's a pretty cool hole that that kid fell in. Right. Like that sort of thing. <laughs> and he just like chugs along and it's like, it's like 50 yards and it's like interminable. It's so dramatic when he runs it. But here's the thing when you're at home and you're running around after a kid, it's exhausting. But his race series is over now. So today I took him to a park that has a track and I was just like, hey, buddy, we're just going to do some fun races, imitation races. Ready and go. I am a lot faster than my son is running around a track, even at like my my absolute like worst shape I've been in in i mean i mean since i like badly injured my hip and couldn't walk for a while but like accepting severe injury i'm in the worst case that i've shape that i've been in since sixth grade and uh and i'm still like man i'm a lot faster than this two-year-old child he just runs really slowly but the thing is that like he's very fast over 10 foot distances uh or like let's say three meter distances let's throw a bone to our metric listeners um but so when he's, gets, a, he's a sprinter is what you're saying yeah yeah exactly but well i don't know whether that's it or it's just like the reaction time necessary the attention but yeah the space to get over to the stairs before he throws himself down the stairs it seems like man he has such a head start on me and he's so fast but if we need to like you know get across a sidewalk he slows us down, like whichever one of us is holding his hand, or, you know, it slows us down significantly. Uh, and this is all obvious, right? <laughs> like, or it should, I guess it, it doesn't necessarily seem obvious um, that actually, you know, adults in general are a lot faster than children, like small children, uh, like, like, like toddlers and whatnot. Um, and, and yeah, like we don't necessarily have that sense because we're not all out there doing stuff together. Uh, the way that we might have in other sorts of alternative lifestyles. Yeah. But yeah, like it's obvious, know. but it's not obvious in the same way that like, of course, there are playgrounds in Central Park. Right. It's just yeah, like yeah, you yeah. Know, those 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 details mm-hmm. of movement and space and time just yeah. were it was impossible to, um, to to fill them in your brain until you had to experience them firsthand. Yeah. I mean, I would I would say that one of the other the big differences and this is sort of uh, not a rebuttal per se, but uh, not to get down this rabbit hole. But calling back to a couple of weeks ago. I'm now very, very cognizant of like if someone if I'm trying to meet someone at a park in a, in a town, you know, there are a bunch of towns where the general comportment of the town toward anyone driving in from the outside, logistically speaking, is extraordinarily hostile. Right. In the sense of like there are literally no parking spaces for like a half mile in any direction from from that aren't ava- that aren't reserved for residents and that aren't necessarily going to be like, oh, there's like three two hour parking spaces and they're full. But the people who live there don't care about that or aren't aware of it and don't know it. So for me, one particular park may be like, oh, my God, that park has a parking lot and I have a two year old who over long distances is much slower than he is over short distances because he runs through a fisheye lens or something right? like uh and it's just going to be a long time getting him like, you know, three quarters of a mile down the street. Uh, I'll have to carry him, you know, um, I mean, we could ro- take a stroller to that sort of thing. Right. Um, but, yeah, you, you notice different things. Just the sheer the sheer degree to which having a kid totally shapes your environment, especially in like an urban setting, um, is something that I'm astounded isn't more obvious to people who don't have kids. Oh, oh we haven't even talked about trying to ride the subway. With a kid in a stroller. Oh, God. Well, talk, I, about, yeah. talk about mental maps, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the the, the, the sub, a, like a, a New Yorker prides him or herself on having a really accurate mental map of the subway system, Ooh. right? Not just like where the stops are, but which entrance to go into, where to stand on the platform so that you can hit the transfer or get to the exit in the right spot. All that good stuff, right? And then again, you know, add trying to get around on wheels, um, uh, in the New York City subway system, whether it's with a stroller or the wheelchair or a heavy piece of luggage or anything else like that, yeah. your mental map gets all of a sudden like well smaller <laughs> in terms of the number of stations, uh, the scant number of stations that have um, uh, elevators. 
Um, and yeah. also it gets much more complicated and unpredictable because getting a status reading on um, the elevators and if they are working is um, a bit of a crapshoot, even though ostensibly there are real-time indicators um, uh, on the MTA's website. Um, so that is a whole other, like, you know, rewiring of, yeah. the, uh, of the mental map exercise there. Yeah, Not so a that, fun yeah. one at all. Well, both for, yeah, for people who are, need wheelchairs or mobility help to get around and also people who have people with them who can't walk that well like small children or the elderly, right? Um, or like me at this point, I guess. But, I mean, no, and that's not me. Uh, I'm doing fine. I just can't run six miles at a go anymore, and I'm really depressed about it. <laughs> I, I'm struggling with two. Come on, I'll fight back. I'll get back into it, man. I'm just putting that out there because I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to get back into it. Um, but, yeah, it's – and, I mean, here's another here's – Pete, I mean, we should have an app. There should be an there should be an app that allows us that allows us to to support and encourage you on the you know on the oh thing. there are there are apps I'm part of why I'm doing this now is I'm it's a work thing where I have to do a pedometer challenge I don't have to but I'm doing a pedometer challenge I'm using that as an opportunity to start measuring how much I walk again uh. and that and that is like the combination of the different methodologies that different trackers use to track where you walk combined with like the different a degree of effort it takes to stay in a relatively small area with a child versus like walk a relatively long distance to get a sandwich. It's like, uh, it just, it just doesn't, you know, a does not equal a, Ayn Rand can get out of here because, uh, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, you know, law of, of objective, of, of objective understanding of time and distance. Uh, I mean, I'll give you another example of, of a place. Um, there's a, there's a particular place that serves breakfast. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say its name. Why not? It's called Cracked Kitchen. And it's a chain. It's a small chain, but it's a breakfast chain. And uh, early, early in the pandemic, not only did they have curbside pickup, but the one there's this one place that's like 20 minutes from my house that had a parking garage next to it that was mostly used for other reasons. But this place was able to mark out parking spaces for pickup in the parking garage and you would tell them the color of your car and they would bring your food out to you to your car even without having to do like a specific scheduled curbside pickup for it and it was like tremendously convenient um especially if you were like utterly exhausted and couldn't even put two pieces of bread together although yes you probably shouldn't be driving if that's the case but it's like you know where am i going to get breakfast because i've been up you know intermittently for three hour batches all night with a newborn child um Oh, there's this one place and it's 20, 20 minutes away, but it makes everything super easy. Suddenly that place is like one of the closest places to my house in my mind. Right. And now that I don't have that level of urgency about breakfast. Right. And uh, I don't really need to go out. I don't go out for food as much um, because, you know, we, we stock up on groceries more and and we're just in general kind of more free flowing about supply chain stuff, despite the situation in the world. And I've tried to go back to that place and have been confounded by how far away it is. Mm. Uh, and it was interesting that it still looms so large in my mind. But it's like, oh, yeah, that's like all the way on the other side of town. And you have to go across that highway. And that means you have to do that sort of dog leg. And it wastes a bunch of time. And there's a weird turn. Right. And it's like uh, all the places that have opened since feel that are closer now are closer but that adjustment is like a non-trivial kind of cultural experience. But I mean, that's take us on a, a brief, brief tangent. Is Cracked Kitchen some sort of like knockoff on Cracker Barrel? No, no, I don't think so. What is cracked? I, what is cracked about the kitchen? I hope it's not egg. one of the it's steam. Ca- oh, got it. The logo is an egg that's cracked in half, and the crack has a uh, has a has a apostrophe in it because we don't do e's around here. It's 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 cracked. Uh, and as an egg, yeah, the the egg is cracked. I mean, maybe they. Well, are if it would, I mean, like in in Shakespearean scansion, it would be crackhead kitchen. If the, yes, yes, you know? kitchen crackhead. <laughs> yes, kitchen crackhead egg. You know, egg egged, egg, bacon egged. You know, I don't even know how to do this. It'd be like, uh, but sir, but sir, salt means thou pepper to and ketchup head. You know, like. but but sir, it means thou to eat at kitchen crackhead. But twere the bagel to, but but twere thou to take and everything bagel, then thou twouldst take everything, and then that would take more than thou wouldst, right? Like, <laughs> all right, there it is. What with my tongue in your bagel, sir? I am a, I am a gentleman. Exit pursued by bear. Uh, <laughs> but yes, it's like it was a place that during the like height of <laughs> exit egg. Egg-zent. 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 Egg-zent
and it's a honey and egg place. It's <laughs> it's and it's only it's it's in what is it in? It's in like it's got to be like in uh, um like Hanover, New Hampshire, or like in New Haven, Connecticut, or like where could you even put that place? Like Colonial Williamsburg? Yeah, no, right. you can put it next to the Globe Theater in actual England, right? Um, right. You know, um, or you could, you know, where you could put it is you could totally put it near Shakespeare and Company in Paris, which is also a hilarious place. Talk about a mental map. Have you ever been to Shakespeare and Company in Paris? No, the bookstore. The bookstore, right? Yeah, this is like this is one of those things. Yeah, the bookstore. This is one of those things where you see those pictures and it's like someone standing in front of the moon and the moon is enormous. And you wonder how they took the picture and you realize they took it from like 20 miles away with a telephoto lens. <laughs> right. Have you seen pictures like this? Sure. But this is a location that yeah, for me loops, is the yeah. phenomenon. You're referring yeah, to, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. This is so this for me feels like when you, when we were in Paris, this was from our honeymoon. I mean, I mean, we went to a bunch of the Parisy places, right? We like we went around town. It was really nice. I'm not going to get into all that stuff. That was all pretty much where it needed to be. But the English, you know, the famous English language bookstore that I had been to the I think I'd been to the one in, in London at one point um, and and uh, or one of them, you know, or one. Maybe there's even one in the States I've been to. And we wanted to go check it out because I'm like, man, they have one of those here. I hear it's really good. And it's so funny because you go there and it's all the people that I see walking around like farmers markets in Massachusetts. right? Like we're like they all go to this place. Right. And is, this is because like, oh, this is so comfortable. Right. Um, this sort of part of my personality looms so long large on the like list of locations on this map that I'm trying to internalize. Um, I'm sure there are like much cool, like not maybe not cooler, but there's a lot of bookstores in Paris. And then, you know, we all gravitate to this, this one, all English language, you know, readers, uh, cause it had sort of means it has this association. But that that's, I mean, I, I think that actually says we're getting at something that I think is important about a mental map. It doesn't just kind of organize space notionally, like in, in terms of like understanding space, it's that when you talk about your mental map of something, it's based, it's based on kind of an understanding of, of relative location, but it's also based on like traversal and like being there, you know? So like, you're talking about like traversing, uh, traversing the thing to cracked kitchen at, you know, at different, at, at different times, traversing the highway, like, and, and how, how that like subjectively is more or less onerous depending on the, the situation that you're in. But like being there is, you know, being at the Shakespeare and company is a very, uh, familiar kind of thing. It's a very kind of like, uh, it, it 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 jibes with your own understanding of your personality, and so it kind of seems it sort of seems close. I think is the is you know the way I would put the the phenomenon you're you're describing, and and like traversal getting there is another thing as well, right? Like the 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 subways in New York aren't like aren't a place; they're like a a means to get to places on the map. But like the the mechanism of traversal is the same, you know, as uh, uh, the mechanism of traversal is, is the thing that kind of organizes the, the, uh, the notional locations in the mental map. Like I can think of the, like the journey to the, you know, grocery store, the, the bagel place and the place where we get a breakfast burrito as like a Sunday morning routine uh, that Christina and I do. And we like, it's, the the in a row yeah we do that as a circuit and you it's, go you had like a bagel and then a breakfast burrito and then like or is that on different weekends no different no no they're they're we do the same we do the same weekend we get one bagel and one breakfast burrito and split them both oh wow we, now that is a tradition because we the, we both want bagel and we both want breakfast burrito um it's like a lovely east coast west coast synergy going on there <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly reader, reader i married him <laughs> <laughs> but the uh the you know getting into the trader joe's like j- down to the lane of the the lane of the road that you need to be in to be in the space to get into certain parking lots and then to cross venice boulevard into the parking lot for the other shop center that has the bagel place in it and then you go out a back way into that there's a u-turn uh that doesn't have a light but and it's you know it's a little bit uh it's a little bit sketchy because not everybody like treats that intersection in a totally legal way so if you are you gotta you gotta just be careful there's a u-turn and then you pull into the uh the the kidney dialysis 
um, you know, facility building that's closed on Sunday. So you can park illegally in their parking lot to get the breakfast burrito and you go out the alley through a different side street to get back on, you know what I mean? And like the, the specific, you know, the specific kind of contortions, you know, that you do. And I've done that. I've done that in New York. I've never lived there, Mark. And so my, my ability to do this is, is I'm, I'm sure puny compared to yours, but I like, I loved, I loved like hitting the subway car right and like the door on the subway car so that like you're walking right into the turnstile when you get off the train, you know, and are, are, you know, right at your spot. There are those satisfying sort of, I guess you call them contortions, and then there are the enraging ones. So let me just share one of them here. Okay, so um, to get to Central Park from where I live, ostensibly, I met the most direct route is to just go immediately east, cross Central Park West, um, hit the sidewalk, and then go north a little bit, and then enter the park. Now, the problem with doing that is that um, uh, there are always, at, at pretty much every day at all hours that I'm trying to get to the park, a number of personal vehicles that are owned by police officers um, that are parked illegally, um, such that they create this horrible blind spot for pedestrians uh, and cyclists so that they cannot see each other with the bike lane that cuts across. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're doing the bike cast again, folks, doing the bike cast again. Um, this enrages me so much, and I've filed multiple complaints with the city, and as have uh, many of my other um, fellow uh, you know, civically-minded New Yorkers, uh, in this neighborhood, this enrages me so much that I go out of my way um, nearly every time to get to the park to go um, in a little bit of a zigzag to avoid that particular intersection to go to the place where there's not um, a sea of illegally parked uh, vehicles engaging in um, brazen public corruption. Um, so also that I don't get creamed by a cyclist uh, when trying to cross the street with uh, with, with a stroller. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you. I thought you were saying I, I go there and then I walk real slow so the cyclists have to break hard and fall over. But no, <laughs> no, they, that, they, they wouldn't that, do that. that. Would, that would be, that would they take you. They yeah, take no, you no, out. No. They take you you're, out. You're like Candide trying to avoid both sides of the war, right? It's like uh, <laughs> that's a long time ago, but never mind. <laughs> It's the best of all. It's the best of all possible uh, paths to the park. Also, does Candide also try to file um, complaints with the authorities over whatever the predicament is? Yeah, it's actually read- called. Oh, it's, yeah. it's actually called Candide oh. or three one one. Oh man, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I will also say that, like the degree of. I mean, we've talked about. Fi- I don't. I need to talk about fire engines more. I don't need to share my. Uh, my son's enthusiasm with fire engines with like the world every freaking week. So we can go on without me talking about how many more firehouses I know exist than I used to like, they'll just take that as a given and move on. Um, But I mean, I will say also like, do you guys have, in addition to all this, do you have ranges? Do you have sort of different effective ranges for different sorts of ways of thinking about the things that are near you? Um, Oh, 100%. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So you know, uh, uh, you may not know this, but uh, Tori Amos is on tour currently. Oh, really? Yeah, yes, and uh, yeah, she's touring behind her her most recent album, and it, it was postponed, but now you know she's coming. And um, the uh, you know the the distance that I would go for a breakfast burrito is very different from the distance I would go for a concert or the way I think like I, you know, we, we have no kids. And so I see a lot of music, you know, uh, I, like I, I do other, I do other activities, um, that, that, uh, don't involve, you know, going to, to playgrounds and, and trying to, to find the best stroller. I mean, I don't know. I live in Los Angeles. We, we'd probably take the car, but the, um, the, like, uh, doesn't necessarily fix it. Still has a lot of the problems just at a different scale. Yes, absolutely. The the well, I don't know. It's it's hard to imagine a city more hostile to pedestrian. I mean, there there are yeah, some, true. but uh, you know, but there it's hard to it's hard to imagine. They generally are inside meat grinders, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're like it's like the what it's like. The, I think the only places more hostile to pedestrians than Los Angeles are like the like like Long Beach Port, and then like the actual room with the crazy uh, evil printing press from the Stephen King book right like or whatever oh the laundry machine that's what it was right it was a laundry machine that ate people um that's how i think about trying to walk around los angeles sure Uh, i mean i you know more recently it's been 
it, it's been kind of reorganized. There are like a lot of public private spaces now that are mm. private, oh, private public spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It's great. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Fake, fake civic life, but you can, you can, you know, keep all the, Never mind. The, I mean, <laughs> but the, oh, I but the, but yeah, wait, wait, wait. Uh, oh, I had a point, but uh, that we've no, no, moved on anyway. I was just going to say that, like, to take the heat off of uh, Los but Angeles, I would go yeah. to, I would go a great distance for a concert. Is my, is my, yes. is my point? Unless I think of like West Hollywood as being close for a concert because I got to see a lot of stuff downtown, you know, which takes a lot longer. Um, versus like, you know, where I, where I would go to get a sandwich, you know. Right, right, right. And I was just recalling an experience I had actually in Hollywood, Florida. If you've ever been to Hollywood, Florida, uh, you know, it is it is a pretty special place. And I was in Hollywood, Florida once on a layover with some friends and we wanted to go see a movie. Uh, and we went to go walk to the movie theater from the place we were staying, which was crazy, apparently, for everyone involved that we encountered along the way. Uh, it was very hot. It was like 100 degrees outside. And we we're like walking along the side of the highway and like crossing highway underpasses and like trying to get this movie theater that only really seemed like it was like a mile away from where we were. But it was like it was an absolute death trap. And we got to this strip mall where the movie theater was and we couldn't tell because it was so large where the movie theater was in relation to the other things that were in the strip mall. And so we stopped at one of the stores and we asked one of the people, you know, where in this mall is this movie theater? And they said, Oh, you can't walk there. (laughs) (laughs) Like you just can't, like they were baffled by the very concepts that you might want to walk to the other stores in this mall, (laughs) that that it just defied, it defied reason that we would think that such a thing were even possible. Uh, And, and that there is, that's a mental map right there. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll go the other direction, which mm-hmm. is that, um, especially when, if um, if I'm pressed for time and I need to get food very quickly, um, my mental map and what the, the sense of farness collapses to a in, ridiculous, insane amount, and particularly like, crossing the street. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that becomes something like if I have to walk across the street and again, like you know, it's all relative, right? You know, in a very pedestrian friendly, uh, much more pedestrian friendly environment than than, than Hollywood, Florida. Um, if I have to cross the street, like the the amount of time it takes to cross Broadway is is long enough so that like I will uh, stay on my side of the street, get more mediocre food, less <laughs> less delicious food. Um, so that so that I have to uh, avoid the like I don't know extra three minutes, maybe three minutes that 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 it would add uh, to, to to cross the street and 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 to come back, um, but all because of the perceived distance. Mm. Of having to cross the street and wait for the wait for the crosswalk to come up. Man, is, is it just me? Am I? Uh, uh, tell me, uh, is this um, is this madness? Well, is it an a- is, street is, or is, is, this a, is this a multiverse? Is this a multiverse of madness? Is this a street or is it an avenue, Mark? It's an avenue. Yeah, so that that's totally different. I, I mean, for the rest of us, you know, an avenue is like a six lane highway, right? Like, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like, that's it, what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, in the scale of my mind, in, in this particular decision making context. Yeah, like I remember one time I had to. Oh, come a see six you. lane highway in Los Angeles. We call that a residential neighborhood. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that, that's, that's a local. We road. call it an yeah. airstrip, <laughs> 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 and it's closed. <laughs> I've done oh, I've done yeah. a little bit of lightning research uh, and the term I, I was curious about the term mall and having to drive to places in in the mall near as we can tell near as I can tell from quickly uh, searching on the Internet. The word mall derives from ultimately from the game Paul Mall, which is a 16th oh. century game in which a ball, a wooden ball is driven through an iron ring suspended at the end of a long alley. So the long, the long sort of, there's a like, I don't even know, like a shuffleboard court or something like that. And you uh, throw the ball and it goes through, through the ring. So it's a combination of what, like high lie and basketball and, you know, shuffleboard or, or cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Some, something like that. Okay. So there was a Paul mall court, uh, at a certain location in St. James Park, uh, I, I guess at the end of a of a walk, a tree-lined uh, path. And this path came to be known as the Mall because mm. it was the site of a Paul Mall alley. And so a mall became a like a uh, like a promenade. 
um, like a sheltered promenade. And so a mall is like an in, if you think now of like the seventies and like indoor shopping centers, you know, that like the in the mallness of them, uh, from apart from being just like a shopping center comes from, I think that like that central artery, you know, through which you like walk through between the, the stores, but it's enclosed and sheltered. So the idea of a, you know, the idea of having to drive from store to store at a mall, Pete, is etymologically speaking an abomination. <laughs> That's Florida. What can you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah. So what's close? What's far? What looms large? What doesn't loom large? Are there places that you wish were part of your mental map but aren't? There are for me. Um, there's this one particular place that I've been trying to incorporate into my life for most of the last like year and a half here and there. It's a game shop. Uh, it's actually quite cleverly named. Since we're plugging local businesses, might as well. Uh, it's called the Queen's Gambit. So it opened around the time that the Queen's Gambit Netflix show came out. Um, and it's in the town of Methuen, which uh, Methuen House, I believe, is the name of the place where the girl lives in the Queen's Gambit. So it's like a clever play on the Netflix show, The Queen's Gambit, which has just as much currency now as it did when the show came out, because everyone still remembers it and all the details of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Say, say what you want about those Netflix show. They're, they're long lived in the public yeah. memory. Right. But it's a, it's like a really nice shop and it's got gaming areas. So you can rent out rooms. And I, I've been telling myself that I'm going to go there and I'm going to like, play you know i'm gonna rent a room and i'm gonna dungeon master a dungeons and dragons game there or something or like I'm gonna bring my family or i'll play board games and of course the play comes right and like we can't do that for a long time because it's mostly closed and, and then it, since then it's like man i've kept wanting to go back i've wanted this to be a place that i go to but it's not close enough that i just happen by it i would really it would really have to be one of those telephoto lens places yeah. but i wanted it to be that right and and, and it won't be that until I can actually go there. Right. It's like, it's like, it's like there's an aspirational phase in, in proximity, like wanting to be close to a place. Um, sort of like the old cliche of like driving past the house of a person you have a crush on, which is not nearly as endearing as it was back in the eighties and nineties. But well, like, I, don't know, I, I want this to be a place that I'm familiar with, El right? El Elizabeth Rodrigo. Uh, Elizabeth Rodrigo. Elizabeth Rodrigo is in the Queen. Olivia Queen's Rodrigo. Yes, Elizabeth. I got I got her name wrong. But Elizabeth oh. Rodrigo is the name of the bar when she had the egg crackhead. The um, <laughs> the no the Olivia Rodrigo song is like is about that, isn't it? Like mm -hmm. I got my driver's license and I I just drive past your house and I'm sad. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't. She she does when she does it. It doesn't have a, a stalkerish vibe. I. I have a place like this, Pete, and it, it sort of stands in for like a kind of larger sadness I have about what, you know, the, the like, uh, advertised versus reality of urban life. And it's the library. I wish the library figured more in, you know, in my, my life. And part, part of it was the plague. Like, um, but even, even during the plague, they, they like, they did a thing where you could page books to the library and they would like, they would bag them up for you and you could like drive up and pick them. They had like curb, curbside delivery of books, you know, and, uh, you know, you could check them out and bring them home so that you could like still, you know, avail yourself of this, this civic institution. But I find that like more and more I use the library's ability to like give me Amazon ebooks. Uh, and I, I don't like this. Like, I don't like the fact that I do this. I think that, you know, the, what is the app called overdrive or whatever the business is called that does the, that does all these, these ebooks and audiobooks. Um, it, it f seems to function similarly to a library, but you are not like, you are not sort of increasing the stock of civic ownership of, of knowledge. You know, you're, you're giving money to an app <laughs> and that's yeah. like, uh, so I, I sort of don't like it, but it's, it's just so, so much more convenient than like, you know, put the book on the, put the book on, on hold, like, because it's a, you know, big city, big library system. Like it's probably not at your branch. Like, so they'll, they have a van that comes and it brings the book to your branch and then you can go in and go to the hold shelf and pick it up and, and, and check it out. And I live in walking distance of the library and I really wish, uh, I really wish I did this more. So I want, you know, I wish that that were part of my mental map. I actually, yeah. we, we've, the library for us was blocked off for a while in the sense that 
we would have only 15 minute uh, visits permitted. Mm. But we, I mean, the library is like the center of life in our town. It's the big building in the middle of town. Uh, we're very proud of the library. And, and I know we, I know my wife and I go there pretty often, but Ethan hasn't really had the, I don't know if I've said this, I've said his name in the podcast before. He hasn't really had the uh, patience to stay at the library for very long. Uh, and he's getting a little more patient. And so most recently we went to the library and I just sort of walked around the back of the kids section of the library and the nonfiction section where the Dewey decimal numbers just kind of roll by. Mm. And, and, and there's a whole other mind space back there. And I used to, I mean, I flash back to how much I used to love walking in the nonfiction section of my elementary school library. Oh, oh man. And it's like, dude, he knows none of this stuff. There's a book. There's like ten books on penguins. I could teach him all about. Hey, there's a book on. There's a book on ducks. There's a book on geese. He doesn't know about any of this stuff. There's a book on, you know, Eastern philosophy. There's a book on. There's a weird book about trying to convert you to a strange religion. We're not going to get that one. Then there's a, this book on computer programming. There's this Pete, book on. Pete, so the Catechism on, of the Catholic Church is a totally okay publication. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a CrossFit book. Uh, no, <laughs> no, that's his parents' related. Um, no, he's. Uh, but like, it's also like, you know, my, my wife brought me back there being like, look, daddy can get you a book about dinosaurs. And it's like, Psh, why did I get you a book about dinosaurs? We can get you a book about real turtles. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the- well, these books about turtles, don't you see? And it's like, man, every, why don't I just read these books all the time? Right. Like, this is just so much fun being back here, you know, and just being like, look at all the, the look at all the local birds. Yeah. Right? I, I loved, I really loved, uh, the Santa Monica library growing up, like we had our elementary school would go to it. Like I think once a month, you know, cause you could get the every four weeks. Cause that was the length of the loan. And so they just used that as the cadence to like have the kids like hold hands crossing the street and like walk to the walk a couple blocks to the library out of the classroom. And then there was a branch near my mother's house. And like, there were like story time things and like, Oh, it was the, it was the absolute, it was the absolute greatest. Anyway, mine, uh, mine's the library. Mark, do you have one that you wish were in your mental map? I do. Yeah. Um, I have several string instruments, musical instruments in my home that are in need of repair. Mm. Um, and when I lived downtown, um, and my mental map, um, was a music shop. Um, the type of thing that is like this Instagram or platonic ideal of an urban environment where like, you know, you have your neighborhood music shop, you walk by, you see the pretty guitars, uh, in the window and you can go in there and you can window shop. You can, uh, you know, um, Wayne style, uh, noodle on guitars that you're not going to buy and also get your instruments repaired. you know, it's, it's, um, it's how part of, much like, the- is that fender in the window? Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where I live now, um, I don't have one of those. Um, there was a guitar center in times square that I think closed, um, around the time of the pandemic, which is the last place I ever took, um, uh, an instrument to get repaired. Um, and so I, I, I don't have that in my mental map. I need it. Uh, not just for the practical reason that like, I've got some guitars that really need some work. Um, but I'll, I'll also get for that kind of like shallow, um, surface level, uh, you know, visual, uh, eye candy bit where I can like as walking down the street, like look in the window and see some gleaming guitars. Um, I wish I had that. I don't have it. Does that uh, do do piano tuners still work or are they were they like off for the pandemic? Were they shut down more or less? Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah, the the, the piano tuner that I used uh, was was uh, not making calls for for quite a bit of time. Um, But there's there's not going to be like, you know, (laughs) um, a a storefront just for the piano tuning. That would be that that would be um, an alternate universe that I would prefer to inhabit. I love I love music store people like I've never met one who wasn't just super weird in the most awesome way yeah. you know like just and the expertise that like minute expertise they they develop over these very niche topics is is like i don't know it is that's a life well lived i think to be a really expert repairer of music instrument musical instruments yeah and i'm, I'm thinking about again you know talking about childhood and the places that uh, were on our childhood mental maps like yeah there was absolutely that place um, it, it went growing up and, uh, and then the very quirky, uh, guy who, who worked there tried, kept trying to sell a, uh, not a heart, not a, uh, not an accordion, but like a melodium, like a small squeeze box yes. sort of thing. He kept trying to sell my dad on one of those cause he was just super into them. <laughs> never, never did, 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 did close that deal though. 
Oh God, that's that's wonderful. I learned a little bit of accordion uh, once, and I, you know, God, I wish I, I wish I owned one. All right, now I want a music store too, in uh, in my neighborhood. All right, I think it's time to fold up our mental maps and put them away in the glove compartment of our mind. I suppose they'll be they'll be rendered obsolete soon by mental Google Maps. <laughs> Which actually is is uh, less a joke and more an actual thing that uh, more an actual thing that has happened already. Um, but if you have uh, thoughts about mental maps, we would love to hear them. We'd love to hear them on uh, love to hear them on um, in the comments on the show notes for this episode. We'd love to hear them on our Discord. If you'd like to uh, get an invite link to the Discord, you can email me podcast at overthinking it dot com. Uh, we'll bring people on, uh, you know, and uh, you can you can chat with us and with uh, other uh, very interesting. I've never met a listener to the Overthinking a Podcast who is not uh, super weird in some glorious way. Uh, they take after the hosts in that in that respect, I suppose. Uh, we'd love to, to talk about it there and hear about your mental maps, how you organize things spatially for yourself uh, and how it has changed uh, throughout this championship season or uh, in other uh, changes of life, seasons of life that, that have changed for you. And, uh, you know, how, how it's doing now, how you're reading your, uh, your mental map. All right, we'll be back next next week with more overthinking it podcast till then you you know on your mental map you can find us at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it, it, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve, deserve.